as soon as it says, there you go. Welcome to the Path to Zion podcast. So this is Noah. Kristen's over there hanging some clothes, doing very important things. Do you see this? This is blue sky, people. If you live anywhere, maybe in the southeastern United States, this has been very rare. So I said, you know what? It's a little chilly, a little bit breezy up here where we are. Noah, is it chilly? Mm, not too bad. He doesn't care. It could be 30 below and he doesn't want to wear a coat. Noah, do you have anything to tell everybody today? Do you have any words of wisdom to tell the world? I don't think so. Okay, he doesn't. He wants to just ride his bike. Now listen, it's a little bit breezy. You can go on if you want to, bud. Okay. It's a little bit breezy. I'm going to try to hold down my Bible and my paper. Um, and listen, this is what I want to do today. Um, go to pathdesign.com if you want to follow the podcast. This is a little bit strange doing these video editions. Um, we just kind of spontaneously started doing that yesterday. Hopefully the microphone will not pick up too much wind and this will actually work and not be a horribly bad idea. Okay, so this morning I was just doing some reading. Obviously we are in an interesting season um, on the whole earth. As I've been talking about with regularity, this is just an interesting hour. Um, a lot of interesting events on the earth and of course bringing about just some... Real sobering opportunities for us to hear what the Lord is saying within this hour. Um, and I was just doing some reading this morning that admittedly I just kind of randomly landed on that really resonated with me the more time I spend on it. And uh, in which is not much. I've, I've only typed out some notes here. There's not this, you know, this is not something I've just been pouring over for days or weeks and man the profound word of the lord came to me in the night no it's not anything like that but i do believe there's something within it um and i just again every time i talk i just want to i just want to submit something as a possibility um just i like to ask questions i like to challenge what i believe i like to challenge what you yourself believe and i this is what i'm i'm firmly i'm firmly established in I think if we can get, especially along the lines of our doctrines of our beliefs, as you see our dog walk around in the background and you'll see some chickens and some cows, don't be alarmed. It's okay. Um, this is a good day to be living out in the country. This is a great hour to be out kind of away from all the madness of the city. It is an absolute blessing. It's, it's, it's the favor of the Lord. I don't deserve to be here. Don't be distracted by him either, okay? Uh, Noah, keep moving, son. You're going to distract me. Um, okay, so as I was saying, I just really think there's something to to asking what we believe and why. And, and the way I see it, anything I present or ask that maybe you don't agree with or maybe you just like would vehemently oppose or say, that is absolutely not right. You, when someone comes to me with a doctrine, with a belief system, with anything biblically speaking and, and challenges me and my own opinion, my own thinking towards a matter, it doesn't really bother me. And I know that's odd in the church age that we live in. It's very rare to have dialogue with other believers or any kind of an exchange, verbal or written or otherwise, where 
where two people disagree, but yet can still function together as normal human beings walking as mature men. And so what I'm going to talk about for a little bit, you may disagree with. You may just out of the gate say, even the title, like I titled this, We Need a Law. Now, automatically, this might kind of set you off and make you think, you know, I'm already mentally checking out because you know what? I'm in Jesus. I'm in Jesus. I'm not under the law. Now, listen, I am no Old Testament expert. The Lord has had us on a journey for several years that really to an intense way without us seeking it out entirely brought us to a place a little over a year ago um, where we really started asking some questions about the the ancient way okay like we were already on a trajectory to be the new testament church to be the first century church post-pentecost um the 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 going up of the messiah sending down the holy spirit to indwell people to live communally in a in a new testament church right and we were going back to what we thought was the ancient path the Lord really started stirring in the heart of my wife first through Yahweh, the name of God, and just giving herself to study that out and to ask the Lord, who, who are you? Like, I've known Jesus my whole life. I've known about this natural man, Jesus, but I've not known this eternal Yahweh creator God. It's, it's God has always, in most cases now, he is promoted as just this dis distant, like archaic cosmic being that just can't be known. And the only way you can know him is through the God man, Jesus. I would say that this is a big error within modern day church. And I say modern day, like for hundreds of years. OK, if not more, that has really moved us so far away that, that we're merely trying to be good Christians who just kind of look like Jesus. You know, we're just kind of, it really, let's just be honest, it really doesn't look even that different. We just, in our minds, we're just taught, you know what? Well, what did Jesus do? Well, we don't even do that, as we we're always talking about here on the program, but that's just kind of this nebulous thing. Well, what does it look like to be the people of God? I started asking those questions and I say all of that to say, can we get to a place where we're free from offense, where we're not offended by someone saying, you know what, would you at least, would you just, would you pick up the, the word of God and would you just stare at it and look at it and say, you know what, I believe this is for my good to what, to, to purge me of anything that is not established in truth, established in God's ways. And that's what I want to try to do. I want to just try to promote something as a question now, as a submission. I am no master teacher saying, I am absolutely sure you must do this. And if you don't, you will be deemed unpleasing in the sight of God. I am not that guy. I am not. I'm not easily movable in the sense of like, you know, believe what you want to. I do believe there are strict guidelines that we are called to live according to. Yet, let's just be honest. None of us, none of us do them all. None of us keep perfectly the commands of God. And we cannot use the excuse, well, it doesn't matter because I'm in Jesus. 
You know, that's what I've been told my whole life. I'm 46 years old. All I've heard throughout my entire life, primarily in the church, is, you know what? It just doesn't matter, Joel. Just be in Jesus and you're free. I'm telling you, I think this is a big concern that should be on the minds and the hearts of God's people as we're saying, but what does that mean? What does that really mean? What does that look like? I've had this debate with so many people, especially over the last 15 years. What does it mean to be the people of God on the earth? And everybody just wants to say, I just believe it's just about love, Joel. It's just about love. We're told that's the greatest commandment, just love. Well, but what does that look like? What does love look like and what does it flow out of? What is it from and what holds us in love? Because we're told in the scriptures that if you love me, you will what? You will keep my commands. And so this morning I was in Second Chronicles chapter 34. Follow along if you want to. Today, by the way, is Rosh Kosh, what is it? Kodashim. Kristen's in the background. She's probably laughing at me. She's she's the new Hebrew scholar of the house. Rosh. It's tomorrow. Rosh Kodashim, the head of the year, the biblical new year that starts off recognizing the month of the Exodus. Hey, plagues, pestilence. Hmm. Interesting. Y'all heard anything about that? Isn't that interesting that that is right now on the biblical calendar? It is also... The new moon, the first new moon of the spring season. Now, this is something we've only been giving ourselves to for the last three or four months about the biblical calendar of of marking and honoring the things that God instated for his people. First and foremost, do you even believe that you yourself are grafted in to be part of his people? We have to first reckon with that and even see if we believe that is really true. Or again, are we just nebulous, nebulously in Jesus? What does this mean? Okay. Second uh, Chronicles 34. I'm just going to read a few verses within here. We're just going to talk for just a few minutes. This is intending to be quite short. Um, and so I'm going to start in verse 14. Now, this is very interesting, and I'm hoping that this premise and and just kind of principle within this text will become it'll transfer over all these years, these thousands of years of something that was recorded for our good for us to know and to learn and to establish in our own lives and see what? What I'm always saying, especially this year, a biblical pattern of how God deals with men. Can we not learn, not just from the Hebrews 11 saints, not just from the disciples, not just from the apostles, not just from the martyrs and all these who have gone before us, and not just from Pastor Bill, who's down the road, who preaches and teaches. May we go all the way back and realize that since the inception of the earth, the conception of the earth, the creation of all of humanity, we have we have this recorded book that is just so fascinating with what? Patterns, patterns, patterns. We have got to be a people who go all the way back and not just New Testament patterns now. But what did the new what did the New Testament church do and did and then just somehow leave the rest for Sunday school teachers to teach on felt boards? This is for us to glean something from and move into the present moment. Second Chronicles 34, verse 14. They're bringing out the money which had been brought into the house of the Lord. Hilkiah, the priest, found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. Now, this is in King Josiah's reign. If we know anything about Josiah, he was a repairer of the temple. He was one who... 
he was a lot like Hezekiah, which wrecked my life over a year ago when I started looking into Hezekiah coming into the to the throne and undoing everything of his father, which had just made desolate the temple. Similar story, as we know, good king, bad king, two good kings, three bad kings. That was the pattern of God's people. This is no different. Josiah comes in, he repairs and starts fixing the temple and restores it to its condition that it was meant to be all along. And so in their doing so, there's this chain of events that happens that I hope we have time to get to. And they find the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. Okay, now what an incredible thing, right? Imagine being the guy digging through stuff and however that looks, someone probably knows, but it's not me of what? What in the world is this text? What? Hey, <laughs> come look at this. What in the world is this thing? They take it to Shaphan the scribe. It says, I've, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. He brought the book to the king and he told them everything that was entrusted to your servants, they are doing. Okay, repairing the temple. Now, listen, I have to stop right here and point this out because I think this is a very probably overlooked detail. Okay, but like, let, let me just read some of this text that precedes where we just started in verse 14, because there's something I believe for us. Again, a pattern that can be established in what God's people did, how they functioned, even as humanity okay so all this stuff is going on hilkiah the high priest people came to them to him and delivered the money that was brought into the house of god which the levites had collected from manasseh and ephraim and from all of the remnant of israel they gave it to the hands of the workmen. Now listen to this process, right? Listen to the process that preceded the book of the law being found. So we have the Levites, the doorkeepers, Hilkiah, the high priest. So they bring it into the hands of the workmen who had oversight of the house of the Lord. And the workmen who were working in the house used it to restore and to repair the house, the monies that were collected. They, in turn, gave it to the carpenters. They gave it to the builders. They did work. We'll just summarize all this, um, which the former kings had, kings had let go to ruin. The men did their work faithfully. It names these men who were foremen over them, the sons of the Kohathites, the Levites. They were skillful with musical instruments. There's a lot going on. They were also over the burden bearers, and they supervised all the workmen. <laughs> From job to job, and some of the Levites were scribes and officials and gatekeepers. And so can we just stop right here and realize there is a purpose and a function for the people of God to interact together to what? To rebuild and repel, repair the temple of God. There is something, there are components of all these things of reestablishing the temple of God that has got to be in place because of what? Because of you. Because of you. Because of me. There are things that must be accomplished to repair the temple of God again now on the earth for those of us who are now the living temple housed by Yeshua the Messiah. The Holy Spirit indwells us for what? For us to be and, and carry and, and declare the glory of God on the earth. There was a process in place where all these people had a function that accomplished the goal of rebuilding the temple. In that process, they find the book of the law. Okay. And so let's just look at a few more things. 
In verse 21, go inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book which has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord, which is poured out on us. Why? Because our fathers have not observed the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. Why am I reading this? I believe this again is a pattern that is very applicable to the here and now. I believe that in the this is exactly what I talked about in the plague and the pestilence, which led David to purchase the threshing floor to establish an altar where incense arose the entreaty to God. And because of that, the hand of the Lord retreated and retract what the pestilence that came forth from his hand upon his people. And because of this pattern, God hears, God smells, God sees, God responds, and it moves his heart. It moves him. Now, how do we know this according to this text? In verse 27 of 2 Chronicles 34, this is what the Lord says. The Lord God of Israel, regarding the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender, because you have humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants, and because you humbled yourself before me, tore your clothes and wept before me, I truly have heard you, declares the Lord. Again, we are trying to use the eternal word of God to establish patterns. This is a pattern. This is so crystal clear. We, we are given endless examples of what moves the heart of God. It is always repentance. And that's why there's no difference from the beginning to the end. People want to just discard the law. They want to disregard the Old Testament as being any way relevant now beyond just metaphorical stories. It's all types and shadows. Yeshua came and he reality of what we have been extended to walk into and under. I haven't even got to my notes. Holy cow. How does this happen? I don't know. Okay. So Josiah repairs the temple in the 18th year of his reign. Every man is doing his part. The scribe comes. He's given the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. He probably, I don't know if there's a transcription necessary, whatever the case, this scribe knows what it is. He identifies what it is. He presents it. I have to go tell the king what I found. King Josiah sees what it is, falls on his face in repentance and says, oh God, we've not been doing this. We've not been following your laws. We've not been following your commands. Oh great God, we don't even know who we are. It is just like the story of Hezekiah and the second Passover people who 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 go in and they're doing everything they can to restore and repair the house of the Lord so that they can again establish what it means to be the people of God on the earth. I think that's what this hour is all about for all of us who call our name according to the name of Christ, call ourselves according to his name under his banner. I want to highlight what takes place when the temple is restored. When the temple is restored, the law returns to God's people. It, when the temple is rightly restored and repaired and, and, and all these things, we don't have time to talk about the musical instruments, the incense, the offerings, the lavers, all of the things within the temple. And when that begins to be restored again and the people are what? They're deemed right. Now, can we not just take this principle and go all the way into Yeshua Messiah today? I am in the fulfillment of all the satisfactory sacrificial demands 
upon mankind that came through Yeshua Messiah that he fulfilled and accomplished to what? To absolute full. He didn't come and blow it up and obliterate it. He said, look, I am fulfilling this to perfection. Why? To show you that this can be done and accomplished in a physical man. This can be accomplished in a man. Yes, I'm the God man. I'm Emmanuel. I'm in the bloodline of the Father and not mere man. But guess what? Anyone who comes after me and what joins into my death and, and makes that transfer from the lineage of the fallen first Adam and comes into the bloodline of the last, you know what? Guess what? You too are deemed righteous in the sight of God. But listen, it's the same pattern. I could talk about this until that sun goes across this house and sets tonight. It is the exact same pattern that we see all the way back here with King Josiah that travels throughout time, culminates in Yeshua to make a marker in the timeline of, of humanity and history. Why? To enable you and to enable me and anyone else who will walk in the pattern of the Messiah to do what? To be, to literally be the temple and the house of God that is according to his ways and his commands, which Yeshua perfectly kept now, perfectly kept. He wasn't just sinless. He was perfect. He, how was he? How was he perfect? He wasn't just good. He perfectly kept the commands of God. Well, he was the God man. Okay, that's true. Well, how about this, right? Deuteronomy chapter 30. And you, you, man, God's people, you shall again obey the Lord and observe all of his commandments, which I, which I command you today. Then, then the Lord your God will prosper you abundantly in all of the work of your hand, in the offspring of your body, and in the offspring of your cattle, in the produce of your ground, for the Lord will again rejoice over you for good. Can we even just stop and listen to that? The Lord will rejoice over you when you observe all of his commands. Just as he rejoiced over your fathers, your fathers, your fathers. Okay. If you obey the Lord, your God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of the law, which was just found here in King Hezekiah's day. If you turn to the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your innermost place and with your soul, with your will, with your emotions, with with your thinking, with with. Now in the mind of Christ, the regenerated imagination, the, the ability to think according to the way of the Messiah. And here is the thing, right? Because, again, we just said, well, Jesus was the God man. Of course, he perfectly fulfilled the commands of God. He was God, you know. Yes. But let's go all the way back to Deuteronomy. Read one more verse to make a point crystal clear, because my whole life I was told the reason Jesus came is because you, Joel, cannot keep the law. I, have been, I was told that for. For my whole life, the reason Jesus came, the reason God sent the Son down to the earth is because you are incapable of keeping his law. You're not good enough. You're not righteous enough. You're not holy enough. You're not controlled enough. But listen, that is not true. That is not true in any way. If we truly believe these scriptures and listen to what I'm going to say through this lens in this context, Deuteronomy chapter 30 I believe it's verse 10 or 11. I don't know. I didn't mark it. For this commandment, all of these things to observe the commandments of the Lord, 
which I command you today is not too difficult for you, nor is it out of reach. And so when people come at me today in my extremely limited understanding of returning to the ancient way to know God's laws, to know his ways, because I believe I'm not just a Gentile running in these hills out here, millions of miles from the true people of God. I believe from what this tells me and what Paul teaches that I myself have been literally grafted in to be the same into the root into the branch, into the tree, into the vine. I have been moved into the reality of God's people. That is now my present identity because of Yeshua the Messiah perfectly walking out the commands of the Father. And even if that wasn't true, all of these ridiculous proposals that you're just too awful and wretched and sinful in your own self. You could never accomplish the law. The men in the Old Testament, it was too much for them. Now, if we say that, we have to be we have to be true and right and, and, and full to say if that were true, then we're saying that God, Yahweh God, gave men a law and a demand that they themselves are incapable of keeping. That would not be fair. A message I just heard Saturday made that exact same point. Like God is a perfect, righteous God. He is the he is the epitome of fair. Fair doesn't even cover it. That's such a light topical word. He would never give mankind a law and demand they keep it. And then know when they gave them that law, they're already completely incapable of keeping the law. That would be absolute ridiculous and, and entirely unfair. And it's not what God did because we see right here, this commandment, which I command you today, is not too difficult for you, nor is it out of reach. I would say we say that as an excuse to say, you know what, even now, I'm just in Jesus I'm just in Jesus. I don't know his commands. I don't know what to do. I do. I know right and wrong. I'm a good moral guy. But do we know the laws and commands of God? Like, do we believe in our heart, especially now in Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah, that we have been empowered to actually be pleasing, commandment-keeping people? People hear commandment. They hear law in this age, in 2020, and oh man, oh, whoa, 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 don't you be talking about law now. I'm free in Jesus, you know. Well, listen, I did a teaching back in July, Freedom and Liberty. If you go to pathdesign.com, you can find that. It is talking about the law of liberty that Paul taught on and how we have to be careful that we don't twist and misuse what he was saying because he was he was obviously clear to say, you know what? You're abusing this grace. You're abusing the, the demands that are upon you because you're free. OK, to what? To justify your own desires, your own cravings. And he kept saying over and over again to the churches, a warning to say, look. This is not okay. You are not supposed to use the freedom you have in the Messiah to go and do your own will and your own way or to justify doing nothing at all. It is to empower us to be a people who are pleasing to God, doing what he says now, what he said all the way back at the origination of his people. So what about law? Law's bad, right? Here we are in Christian America. Christian law 
Torah. Oh, the capital T word. You hear that, man. And like even myself, like I've had I've had so much stuff ingrained into me that, that invokes fear in me even now. Right. That's part of the problem. We have been so errantly taught that law is so bad. But here's my question. Right. What about law? Like, what about just law in general? Like the laws of this land. Here we are in America, and I don't know where you're listening. There are people who listen in other countries, and so everybody's got a different perspective. But you hear patriotic Christian American people bragging all the time about the awesome laws of this nation, the Constitution that guarantees them what? Safety, provision. Um, we could go on and on and on. That's unnecessary. But they see the law from an elevated place that what is in place for their good. The majority of people understand this and they wouldn't argue this point from a national, natural um, understanding. But we, we now we might say that that under and like within the Constitution, even of the United States, United States, those laws provide me something. They provide me rights. They provide me opportunity. They provide me all these different things that we call blessing here. But when you start talking about the laws of God, hey, I'm not under law. I'm free. I would say even in our general understanding of what law even is, we miss the point entirely. We don't allow that same natural perspective to transfer over to spiritual principles that we've been told are perpetual and should remain forever. Okay, and so I would say we have to we have to rightly understand what we're saying about law and in our understanding of what law even is, of what we are in and what we are under, that I believe in my present understanding that law that God instates for me, that Yeshua Messiah, again, perfectly fulfilled and accomplished is for my good. It's for my good. Why in the world is there a speed limit on the highway? Why are there signs on doors of buildings before you go in that you must adhere to? Why are there all these things we could talk about in the natural now for our good, for the preservation of of humanity, for safety, for precaution, for boundaries? Because, listen, humanity is a people that if we don't have boundaries, if we don't have law, we will do what this says we do anyway, which will we, we will be what? Lawless ones. We will be ones who are just doing whatever we want, whenever we want to do it with no restraint. We have been given things to show us restraint. We have been established things in the word of God now for his people, which again, you have to decide, are you just in Jesus? Are you in the eternal people of God because of what Jesus did for you? Because of what he fulfilled to buy and purchase us to what? To become grafted into the house of God. We have to understand what we're saying in all these words and verbiages that we just throw around because it's just the rhetoric we have always been taught. So let's bring this to a close, okay? The laws of God, I believe, are for our good. I believe it's for our good. I believe they are in place to preserve us, to protect us, just like natural laws, to give us provision. We have to have boundaries for our own good. And as we just said, 
We are told clearly in scriptures in Deuteronomy chapter 30 alone, this is not too much for you. This should not be out of reach for you. This is not too difficult. And listen, if it was not too difficult all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 30, I'm asking, is it too difficult for us now? Is it too difficult for us now in the church age, in the age of grace? Or are we abusing what we have been empowered to actually accomplish rightly through the Messiah? Are we abandoning that? Because guess what? Hey, hey, brother, I'm free in Jesus. I'm free. But what are we saying when we say that? I mean, literally, I'm asking you when you say, hey, I'm just free in Jesus. Don't bring that law on my house. What are we saying? What are we free unto? What are you free to do? Noah is very free right now on that bicycle. He's just crisscrossing the yard, right? There he goes. He's free. But guess what? That eight-year-old boy, he knows his boundaries. He's not going in that road. He's not going down there and making his way into town. Well, why is that? He has a law in place under my authority to say, you know what, son? It might be awesome to ride into town. That'd be kind of cool. You go get you something nice down at the Dollar General. But guess what? You might not make it there, son. There is a law in place just to keep you down, to just burden you with a weight you can't carry. No, for your good, for your safety, for your life. It is the same. So I would say, and I have seen that I believe there's a proper returning to the law. This may scare you. This may terrify you. And that's okay. It's what we've been taught. It should, because based on what we've been taught, it's probably very terrifying. I believe it's been abandoned. I believe it's been forgotten. Many people like myself are beginning to see it's not bondage. I'm telling you, if you want to do the speed limit, if you want to be a one who keeps the commands and laws, is it burdensome for you? If you want to now, if you want to, I don't want to obey the speed limit. So, yeah, it's a burden. But if I wanted to be an obedient, good, solid citizen of the United States and kept all of the laws of the land, would that be burdensome for me if I truly loved the law? I mean, if I loved it now for real from my heart, like we're seeing here in their heart, they wanted to what? They knew that fulfilling the laws and commands of their creator positioned them to receive every single thing within the covenantal promise the father gave. That is true for us today. That is true for us today. One more thing I want to just mention, man, this this text is just chock full. We could talk literally for hours hours for real josiah does all these different things we know he's a good king he's kind of you know he's a popular guy but chapter 35 and i'm not even going to get into there because there's no time but you know what's very interesting about chapter 35 you know what's reinstated what's reinstated in uh second chronicles 34 it's a p word we're, we're fixing to have it soon Peas. Yeah, we're going to have peas. <laughs> Passover. We're not having peas for lunch. The Passover. Where are we right this second? It's almost Passover, friends. I'm telling you, I am urging you and I'm asking you to pursue the ancient way. The The ancient way is not, it's not first century church. It's not. It's not. 
It is a component. It is the it is the age that we are now in. Yes and amen. But I'm telling you, unless we go all the way back to where God set up his covenantal commands, because that's what Josiah goes on to say is, Lord, we will return to your covenant. We will join ourselves with what we have found, because guess what? We didn't know this was down here. Have y'all seen this? Have y'all read this book of the law of the Lord from Moses? No. What in the world does it say? We have forgotten God's ways. We have forgotten his laws. I think it would do us good, if nothing else, an absolute closing to say that it is time for us to return to the laws of God. It's time for us to at least ask, God, have I been squandering in some way? being free in Yeshua. Have I been have I been taking advantage of being free in Jesus? Am I merely coasting along afraid of works? I don't want to be dead works now. Am I if I've been duped to think that if I keep any law I'm simply trying to earn your favor or 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 impress you so much that you give me more attention? No, we're not talking about that. We what did David always say? Over and over and over again. Lord I love your law. I love your law. Why would David, who is a man after God's own heart, continually say, I love your law? Because he knew. He knew it was for his good. He knew it was for his soul. He knew the provision of the Father, the boundaries, the protection, the promises, the blessing, the favor, the sustenance, everything that he needed was found within the covenantal law of God. I'm telling you, and I'll ask you right now, did Yeshua the Messiah, did Jesus Christ come and say, you know what? Forget all of that. Forget every single thing that the Father taught you in the Old Testament. Forget it all. I'm, I'm just, you know what? Shh, dang. I've got a better idea. I've got a better idea. You don't have to keep law anymore. I mean, seriously, would Jesus, the son of God, God himself incarnate as a, as a natural man say, you know what? I know I said all those perpetual forever, big words, those fancy words about covenantal rule and reign and, and, and commands forever. Hey, I didn't really mean that. I'm about to die, you know, and all that stuff. Eh, I, I, I made a mistake. No, it's foolishness. This is a perpetual covenantal reality that continues through the sun and is for us. So, friends, be encouraged. There is something in this hour, in this age, where I believe the Lord is highlighting what has been forsaken. His law, his feasts, his new moon. How many times are we told, hey, you better keep your eye on the sky? The, the, the wonders of the Lord, the prophetic utterances of God are being declared in the heavens. And friends, we've, we've missed it. It's not found in just a mere Bible study and a topical discussion of Ephesians. It is that and it is so much more. So friends, be encouraged, be alert, be aware. Man, go outside today. Talk to your neighbors today. You know what? Go out there and maybe hug your neighbor. You know, put a plastic bag on, cover your face, say, man, do you know Yeshua? Do you know the Messiah? Do you know God? Let's be a people who lift our eyes, who raise our heads and, and declare the glory of God on the earth in this hour and in every other one. Amen.